review now the Sikha from the Rebbe on Parshas Re'eh in Chelik Tes. This is the Sikha Aleph of Chelik Tes. But before we learn the Sikha, let's learn the Pasik starting in Perikut Beis. Uh, the Sikha is actually on the Rashi of Pasik Gimel. So what does the Pasik start in Perikut Beis? Pasik Aleph says, Eila HaChukim Mishpotim Asher Tishmerun. The following are the statutes, the laws, the Mishpotim that you should guard, Lassus, Ba'orets, to do in the land. That Hashem, the God of your father, have given to you as inheritance. So when you come to the land, you must do this. For as long that you live on the land. What should you do? So the Pasuk says like this. Pasuk says, You must destroy all the places. Asher Shom Hagoyim. Uh, that the nations they worshipped over there, the places that they worshipped. Uh, that you inherit them. What should you destroy? As Eloi Hehem, their gods. Now, where do they place their gods? He's telling you, you should destroy all the places, but what should you destroy those places? You should destroy their gods. As Rashi says, those gods which are on the tall mountains and on the hills and anything that is underneath all these fresh beautiful trees luscious um, so destroy them in other words David are kept where on these places, on the high mountains, they're kept on the hills, they're kept on, those are the places, but you should destroy the Avodah that's over there. Now, the Pesach goes further and he says, You shall break up their Mizbeach. What is Mizbechoyzom? What is Mizbeach? Rashi says, Mizbeach is what? Shalavonim Harbe. That is a structure that is made of many stones, Rashi says. And then, Vishibartem es and break their standing stone. Rashi says, Matsevo shel achas, even achas. That is a one standing upright. That's called a matsevo. You should uh, break that, break that apart. And further, uh, We'll see, the Rashi says, quote in the Sikh in a minute. Further, the Pasuk says, Asherehem, those are trees that they worship, that's called an Asherah, that you have to uh, burn in fire. Further, the Pasuk says, those carved out pestles, statues of their gods, you should cut off. And further it says, Vibaditem es Shimom, destroy their name in Amokai Mahu from that place, so that that place shall not be uh, remembered anymore, destroy their name. How do you destroy the name, says Rashi, Vibaditem es Shimom? Rashi says, Lechanis Lohem Shem Lignai, destroy the name by calling them a derogatory name. So if, for example, it's called Beis Galia, Beis Galia means the house of revelation. Koirim lo Beis Karyo, house of which is buried, which is covered. 
if it's called Ein Koil, all eyes, meaning everybody's looking up to it, Ein Koitz, call it a thorny, eyes of thorn. That's a degrading name that you call it. And just by the Rashi of Matseva, Rashi gives you further, what is the Evan Achas? Rashi says, Vuhubimus. That Matseva is called the Bimus. What is Bimus? Rashi says, Shashnuya, the Mishnah, over there in the Mishnah, the Pesach says, Eben shechatsovo mitchilo lebimus is a stone that originally it's been carved out to serve as a bimus, to serve as a matzeva. Alright, so basically the Pesach is telling you to destroy them all and then the Pesach continues don't do so to Hashem, your God as we're supposed to do to all the nations. Okay. So now the Rebbe is going to question this Rashi in various different uh, ways. So, the Rebbe starts like this. So, on the Pesach, you should break apart their Mizbeach, and you should break their Matzevos, and and that you should burn their worship treatment fire. So, Rashi, now something very strange in this Rashi, if you noticed. Rashi takes the plural of the Pesach and changes it into a Loshon Yochit. Rashi says Mizbeach, he translates. He doesn't say Mizbechoisom, he says Mizbeach. He says Shalavonim Harbe, that is many stones. And Matseva, again, it doesn't say Matsevoisom as it says in the Posik, but it says Matseva, Shalavan Achas, that's one stone. And this brings down what kind of a stone? This Matseva specifically means the Bimus that it says in the Mishnah by the Zorah. Over there it says that Evan that you have a stone that you engrave it out to begin with to serve as a bimus. That's what it's serving. And the Ashera is an Elon Haneva. The Ashera is a tree that is worshipped. Okay. That's Rashi. So the Rebbe says like this. The Rebbe has several questions. Is it them to move on so we don't understand? Number one, in the lotion of the Posik, it's plural. Miz Bechoisom. Why does Rashi quote from the word for the Pesach? Mizbeach, Matseva, Asherah in a singular version. Why isn't he quote the words as they appear in the Pesach, in the language that they appear in the Pesach? Rashi usually brings the heading from the Pesach. Rashi changes it from the plural to the singular. Okay, one, one issue. Number two, base. Uh, we already find in Parshish Vashanon, uh, and uh, that is in the um, uh, Pasuk over there. The Pasuk says, Mizbechoisehem, uh, their Mizbeach. So Rashi types over there, Shel Binyan. Binyan means a structure. Matsei Voisom, Rashi says, Evan Achas. And Vashirehem, Rashi says over there, those are three that they worship them. So you already see the Pesach uh, in Perik Zayim, Ches over there, Rashi already touched in all these places exactly what is a Matzeva, uh, what, is a, what is a Mizbeach, what is a Matzeva, and what is a Shereim. So why does Rashi have to repeat it again over here, telling us again what it is? But furthermore, the Rebbe says, Rashi in our Posik changes 
from his commentary in portion of Eschanon. Over there, number one, over there Rashi says that the Mizbech is a building. It's a structure, binyan. Over here Rashi just says it's made out of many stones. Yeah, a building is made of many stones. But over there, Rashi calls it a structure. Over here he says many stones. Number two, in our Pasik, Rashi doesn't just say Matseva of one stone. Like it says over there. Over there it just says Matseva Yisom. Eben Achas, one stone. Over here, Rashi doesn't say Matseva Achas, but Rashi says Vuhubimus. It's a new kind. This is something that is not mentioned before. The Bimus that you carve out to serve. I mean, it's either from a lot of stones or one stone. Why do we have to give it a special kind of a stone that was carved out? It doesn't say before. Then, this whole concept of that Amatseva means a, uh, a Bimus, something that was carved out to be in that place, doesn't fit with what we know Amatseva, yes, for Kedusha. It says by Yaakov, for Hashem, it says he built Amatseva. And over there, it just means that he was a one stone. In the Parshas Vayishlach, it says, Vayatsev Yaakov Matseva, that Yaakov put up a Matseva. What does that Matseva mean? He put up a, a stay, put up a stone. And then it says, Vayosech Oleho Nesach, Vayotzech Oleho Shemen. He poured on it libation, he poured oil on it. So he made a Matseva that he poured oil on it. So, it's called a matzeva over there. Now, we understand, this was a matzeva built for Hashem. Yaakov gave a thank you to Hashem, so he built a matzeva for Hashem. But one can derive from this, it would seem, that a matzeva of Eidizora, you know, we're, of course, we're distinguishing between Tuma and Tar, and this is for the Abish of Tuma, but what is it used? It's also, what is it used? It's meant to put labation of Eidizora. So why does Rashi have to change it and say, no, this is bimus sheshnuye b'mesechta chulu. That this is a special kind of a bimus. Uh, what does bimus mean? Rashi says in the Mishnah, bimus means it's a place where Avedi Zorah, that you place the tselem on it. They have a cross at Salem, and they built a place, they carve out, and they pay the, uh, the, the, the tselem, they pay they put on it. Now, or whatever tselem they have over there. I'm not sure it's a cross. Whatever they have, a tselem over there. A tselem, an image they have. They're about the So it's not a stone that you put up for a libation, but it's a stone which is carved out to place a tselem on it. So why does it actually change it from Matseva, what we have in the Pasuk, uh, by Yaakov, which we know in Matseva, is he put up a stone over there. And Rashavir also says one stone, and then Rashi goes on and says, that is the Bibus. Number five, what is a Bibus? Does somebody know what a Bibus is? A person, uh, if, 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 if Rashi says Bibus, and then Rashi tells you, oh, you don't know what Bibus is, I'll quote you the language of the Mishnah. The Mishnah, it says, a stone that has been originally carved out for the bimus. How does that translate 
what the meaning of Bimus is. Uh, we don't know what Bimus is, and we don't know from the language of the Mishnah that it was carved out for a Bimus. So it's not understood. If Rashi thinks that the student knows what Bimus is, so Rashi just tried, who Bimus? She said, that is the Bimus. He knows what it is. And if Rashi worries that the Talmud doesn't know the translation of the word Bimus, so how does Rashi gain by saying that this is the Bimus that is written in the Mishnah, that it was carved out for a Bimus? He doesn't know what a Bimus is. So how is that going to help him? So why is Rashi telling him Bimus and then he's bringing you the Mishnah? What does that help us? And further the Rebbe says, even if we should say that this language, we do get some sort of an understanding what the Bimus means. Why does Rashi say that this language says in the Mishnah? To just say, it says in the Gemara over there, why it's in the, or we find the proof for it. Why is Rashi saying, we find this is the Mishnah, all these questions are going to give the Rebbe a whole other interpretation. The Rebbe is going to build on these questions to show that Rashi was actually trying to tell us something else over here. Um, um, Rashi has a whole explanation in the actual POSIC what this whole POSIC is talking about. Is it talking about places in which they served? In other words, the previous POSIC is talking about uh, you have to destroy David Eli. Hayhem, they're gods. And now this Pasik is coming to add to it other, the places where it was worshipped. So they too have to be destroyed. Or these are actually gods. And as we'll see, the Rebbe will explain all these languages of the Rashi according to that understanding. So the next Rashi uh, Rashi uh, 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 states from the Pasik, What does literally means? You shall destroy their name. But Rashi doesn't say to destroy the name. Rashi says to call them, give them a degrading name. Call them a degrading name. Beis Galia, call them Beis Karia, Kol, Kol, so the Rebbe says it's not understood. In the simple meaning of what does Yibadatem HaShemom means, that you should do something that you should make its name get lost and forgotten of the Vedazorim. So why is Rashi saying to call them a degrading name? It should say, change their name. L'shame says Shemom. Just change their name around so you're not going to remember them at all. That place over there. So that that way... Uh, if you call them another name, so that way you will forget what they were called before. How does Rashi know that what we're really talking about is to give them a nickname, a degrading nickname, to call them a, a, an insulting kind of a name? Why don't we just learn that it means to destroy them, change around the name? Number two, even if we should say that Rashi has proof that Vibata means a degrading name. How does Rashi know that this degrading name needs to be similar to the previous name of Avedizora? Call him something else. Because you see, Rashi uses the same notion. Beis Galia, he says, call him Beis Karia. Enkol, call him Enkutz. 
We didn't change the whole name. We just changed, you know, even when we're going with the grading name, just call them something else totally different. And it turns out that if you're going to call it a similar, a similar name like before, but you're going to sort of make it degrading, that is going to help you remember the previous name. It's not going to cause you to the law, law lose, lose the name. It's not going to cause you to lose the name because you're still sort of a little, a little bit using the previous name. Why don't you just bring it in some other name altogether? And number three, why does Rashi have to give true example? Why does Rashi not bring uh, only one? Especially when you look at the Gemara, there's actually a third name. Rashi says, instead of calling Pnei Melech, call it Pnei Kelev, the face of a dog. Instead of calling the face of a king, call it the face of a dog. But that example Rashi doesn't bring. So what do we know from that? That here, Rashi needs these two examples. That's why Rashi brings only these two examples. The key of the Rebbe's explanation is here, is the Rebbe says that Rashi is actually trying to tell you that all these cases in our uh, POSIC, uh, that the first approach to reading this POSIC would be that our POSIC is actually not talking about gods. It's not talking about worshipped. Not talking about destroying worshipped. In other words, the Pasik beforehand is talking about gods. You should destroy Eloi Heihem, their gods. Our Pasik is coming to add not only to destroy their gods, but also other parts of their Aveda Zorah. And Rashi is coming to tell you no, that these, by extension, these are all Avedazorah. They're not addition to Avedazorah. So let's say like this. Because in the previous Posik, it says, Abit Abdum Goimer as Eloi Kehem. It's interesting that the Rebbe writes here Eloi Kehem in the Sicha, even though I, it's Eloi Heihem, it's their God. So somebody can say, you can say that, but still I see the Sicha writes, Elikeim. You know, sometimes when I used to say Elikeim, people corrected me to say Eloi Heihem, because you're talking about their gods. But in the Sikha it says Elikeim. Okay. So, since that immediately afterwards it says Vinitatstem, so it says destroy the Elikeim. Then it says Nitatstem, you should break apart. It says Vinitatstem with a Vav, that is and Yushuf, so you would have uh, learned, you might have learned that you're adding. Not only do you need to destroy David the Zorah, the Elikeim itself, but you have to add more things. The Torah says you also have to destroy their Mizbechos to break their Matzevis. You have to burn their Asherus. They are in addition to Elikeim. They're not Elikeim. These are in addition. They are not Okay, they're not Avedizor himself. They're only servants to the Avedizor. So, this already, Rashi mentioned already that there is, that the worst, the, the trees are worshipped already. So, although Rashi already said, that what means Asherehem, 
they worship them. So it means they're not only serving them, they're actually worshiping them. So in our Pesach, when it says, when it's not an addition to Likeim, we know it's Likeim, because it says already in the Pesach, they worship the trees. But still, you could have said that in our Pesach, Asherayim, doesn't mean the worshipped ones, but it means Misham Sha'avei Over here, it's talking about that servant of It's not talking about the servant itself. So, what are we going to say then? In the previous Pasik, before it says you should destroy their gods, but it tells you all the places where they worship their gods. So it talks about the places of the Vedizorim. You're talking Allahorim Haramim, Besachas Kol Eitz Where do they keep all their Vedizoris? It already says they kept them under these luscious trees. So over there for sure, Eitz it's not a worship, it's, it's not a worship. Over there, they place the Ravidazora under these worship trees. So one can therefore say that our Pasik, when it's saying, it's talking about that same luscious tree, that same Eitzranon. That when it said before Eitzranon, I want you have to destroy them too. That tree has to be destroyed. But that tree is not. A worship one. Yeah, before you can worship it also. But here we're talking about the Eitzranon from the previous Pasik, which was a place in where they kept Avedazonim. And also when we say, it adds the parenthesis when you say, Psilei Eloheihem, Elokeihem, sorry again, Psilei Elokeihem, that they carved out, that that is connected with. Hehorim, Haramim Begoimer. So before the place you have these great mountains, as we say, Psilim, Psilim means from the language Psolchal, carved out, which means Psilay. They would chop out places, they would place it in a mountain, and they'd make it into a platform, they make it into a pillar or similar, and they place Davidazar over there. So our Pasik is telling you the psile from the Horim Argovoyim and what you uh, chop out is called psile Lekeim. That's hacked, that's hacked out from their God. It's not a God which is psilim, but that is the psilim for Lekeim, for the place of their and that's what the Pasik says Vashereim Tzirfu Be'esh so what is the Pasuk trying to tell you here? That even though they're only Mekoymes, they're places of Vedizorah, Mekoymes Hashir of Dushom, the Pasuk says, so this Pasuk is coming to tell you that Ashereyem, those nice coverings they make, and those areas that they carved out, destroy them. Why? Because one would say, why did the Goyim choose these beautiful places? That is because they have distinction. Horim Haramim, they're tall mountains, Eitzranon, they give Chashivas, they give importance to their gods. That's why the Abish is telling us, destroy Asherahim, also not only the Vedazara, but also those Eitzranon, also those trees around them, and also the Psilelekeim, also what they've carved out for their god, destroy them as well. Basically, 
what is all this telling us? This passage is telling us that not only that we need to get rid of a disorder, but you also have to get rid of all the areas that make that disorder comfortable. So when the Pasuk says Vinitatstem is in addition to destroying Eloi Kehem, you also have to destroy others. The previous Pasuk says you destroy their gods. And the Pasuk over here is coming to tell you not only their gods, and the Torah tells you, you have to, first of all, the places where they make the libations, which is what? That is the Matzavis. They're not, libation is not like a carbon. That's the Mizbech, so that's the Matzavis. So break up their Matzavis. After, first you break up their Mizbech. So first you do the Mizbech, then you do the Karbanas, and in which you make the libations. And then the Pasuk tells you even a greater novelty, Although that the Ashereim and the Psilalikeim are not used for worshipping of a disorder as the Mizbech and the Matzevis. Don't actually use it. But only as places for Avei Dezorah. The second half of the Pasek, the two, Asherayim, Tisrufu, Ba'eshu, Psilakim, Degadeyun, come after the first two, which is the Mizbech, who is where the Bukharbun comes, the Matzevis, you put the Labation, and then we're also going to destroy the other areas. Although Ashrem are not used actually for worshipping as Mizbech Matzavesa, but only areas for the Vedizara. And then the Pasi comes and gives you a greater Chiddush, Ibad the Meshmon. This means that you have to, although it's only a name, it's not the Vedizara itself. You know, you don't bring Korbanis, you don't bring the Sochim. And it's not also a place for Avedi Zorah. It's only a name. Teresa says, you have to destroy the name. Especially if the name has importance, get rid of everything else. That's the way one might have learned. So that means that all these things, the, the Psila Lekehem and Ashereham, are not Avedi Zorahs. They are places in which Avedi Zorah is used. However, Rashi doesn't want to learn like that. Because in simple meaning, Ashireihem, and certainly Psileilekehem, means Avedizor itself. So we can't say that the Pasuk is coming to say when it touch them, it's coming to add that before we said Elekehem. And now we're trying to tell you, that because no, because today, burning of Asherehem and cutting down the Psila Elekehem, that in of itself is destroying of Elekehem. So what is therefore the Pasuk coming to say when it starts them? That this is articulating, he's mentioning the details 
from Abba to Abba to Which are the Lekeim? And that is what Rashi is intending, what Rashi is hinting to in his language when he says, not the words of the Posik, Mizbechoysom, Matzevesom, Ashereyem, but Rashi says, Mizbech, Matzeven, Ashero. Rashi makes it clear to us that his interpretation, Mizbech, etc., is not the start of a new subject. Oh, this is something new. But this is the explanation and is a translation of what he said before. You shall destroy the which you have to destroy are the Mizbeach. So Rashi is saying these are details of the Elikeim. So Rashi therefore says it in a singular language to teach us that these are the specifics. These are the details. Don't think these are just generalizing again uh, places, other things. These are the details before. They're a detail of the cloud. And that's why Rashi adds by Matseva only in our Posik saying Vubimus by the word Matseva and also by Yashedo he has to say that you worship the tree, even though he already said it before. Because Rashi is trying to explain to you that Matzevoisom and Nashereyim are part of Elikehem. They're still gods. Why would Psile, we understand, that's not a problem. But why would a Matzeva be a god? Uh, they, he wants to have the details of Elikeim. How come Rashi by Mizbechoysom? Rashi understand, we understand how Mizbeach is a part of Elikeim. Why? Because since the, the carbon is on the Mizbeach, which are burnt in the fire, which is on the Mizbeach, which this would be similar, Lahavdil, to the Eish Hashem that comes on the Mizbeach of Kedusha. So you understand that the Mezbech of Edizoreh is an Elikeim. The fire, the burning that takes place on the Mezbech, this is God. You can understand that that's a God. But Matzeva, which on the Matzeva, you only bring libations because that's a sign for Avedizoreh. That's why we... But it's not Avedizoreh itself. Uh, that would be similar to what we say, Eid HaGala Zeve Eid HaMatzeva, which... They placed him by Yetzir when Lovin came chasing after uh, Yaakov and he put it up there. It's something on the side, it's only a testimony, so it's not the God itself. So Rashi has a problem. How is the Matseva going to be a part in the Kayim? So Rashi says, Vubimus. That is Bimus, that it's, we learned in the Mishnah, that it's an Evan Shechatsova Mitchila Libimus. It was originally made from Bimus. But which means that only in the beginning you are making it for a bimus. Which means that you make it for a place of a disorder. But not afterwards. So that means to begin with it is a bimus. So don't make a mistake that this happens later on when the Buddha place it over there. And Rashi 
therefore, to clarify this, Rashi says that we learned in the Mishnah because Rashi says over there that they worship the Bimus just like they worship David Zara itself. That particular Bimus that is over there is worshipped itself. That's Tafkin Khatkhila. So that becomes an Abed Zara. That Matsev is an Abed Zara. It's not just a Matsev in which you put a libation. Same thing is by Asherah. Rashi says, Ilona never. Rashi is saying that Asherah in our Posik is not the eight Saranon that we had in the previous Posik. The luscious tree, which was the place, which would add importance to David Zorah, but it's a Ilona never. It's worship. So it becomes a detail in Elikeh. And this is also why Rashi says, Mizbeach Shalavonim Harbe and Matzeva Shalavan Achas. That the difference between a Mizbeach and Matzeva in our Posik is consists not just in uh, Abed Zorah. In other words, this is an Abed Zorah, that's not an Abed Zorah. It's only a difference is this is of many stones and this is of one stone, but it's all Abed Zorah. And Rashi says, not of a binyan, like in Pashat Hanan, because here Rashi is translating Mizbech and Matseva in one follow up. And he wants to say they're both Abedizora, not like in Pashat Hanan. Therefore, he says, by Mizbech Abonim Harbe, which is the opposite of the Evan Achas by Matseva. The Rebbe is going to answer the question that he asked why does the uh, Rashi have to write? in the Mishnah that we find in the Mishnah because now we said that the Pirush of all these details that the Pasik mentions these are various forms of God so we have what was the God of Matseva when the Pasik says uh, that you should uh, break up their Matsevas. what was that God that was this uh, Dimus, right? That was the uh, special carved out stone which they carved for the Zorah. But Rashi in Parshish Mishpotim, Rashi taichd matzevoy sehem. So Rashi taichd over there, avonim sheim matzivim lishtach v'islohem. Rashi says that they place stones which they would bow to the stones. So if Rashi is looking to find that is worshipped, that a matzeva that is worshipped. So Rashi could have said, instead of saying dimus, Rashi could have said uh, that this is a stone that they worshipped. And then we understand very simply that a matzeva is a detail of Elikeim. It's another way of God. They have gods, various gods. One of the gods is a matzeva. How does Rashi know that it's actually bimus? How does Rashi know that it's Bimus? Maybe it's the Matzeva that they worship. Very simple. Not that they carved out for the specific Avedizor that they made this place. And that's why Rashi adds the words to Shnuyi Mishnah. What is Rashi trying to tell Shnuyi Mishnah? Basically, to tell us we know that there is such a thing as a Bimus. The Mishnah says there is Bimus. And basically... The Mishnah says that the Bimus is part of their gods. There is a way they worship God, there is a Bimus. So therefore, we need to say that Bimus is also detailed in our Pesach. 
Because if this posik is coming specially to detail the various different gods, which the posik said before them, Torah said you have to break the god, so he has to say which are the details of the god. So all kinds of gods. So he has to not only that you worship, also this this bimus. So therefore, Rashi has to learn that the matzeva is the bimus. So basically. Since there is a God, there is a Bimus God, because that's what the Mishnah says, so therefore we need to say that when the Pasuk says Matzevesim, that's what he's referring to, because otherwise the Pasuk would be missing over here something. In the Haorah, the Rebbe further you know, details this, because it still needs clarification. You know, In other words, well, how does Rashi really know this? But the Rebbe continues in the Haorah to explain further this point that he made. If it didn't say that this is what's said in the Mishnah, we would have just Rashi says it's Bimus. Then you would say, well, how do you know that it's Bimus? Maybe it's a, a stone that they bow to. Because the Rashi says, the Mishnah, which means there is an Elikehem, there is a God which is a, a Bimus. There is something which they worship as a Bimus. So since this Pasuk is enumerating all the different gods, and there was a god of Bimus. How do we know there's a god of Bimus? Because it says in the Mishnah. Mishnah said there was a Bimus. In other words, we don't know it from the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, it could either be a, a stone that they worshipped, or it could be a Bimus. We don't know what it is. So Rashi would have no right to say that it's Bimus. How does Rashi know Bimus? The Rashi would for the Mishnah. The Mishnah says there is such a thing as Bimus. So we know right there's something as Bimus. So we might as well say that this is Matzevaisim. That is that Bimus because there is such a thing. Since the Pasuk is enumerating all the various different kinds, it must enumerate that as well. Continue that now we'll also understand why Rashi has to say that what does it mean? So the Rebbe has before, losing their name should mean destroy them totally, don't mention the name at all. Why does Rashi know, call them a derogatory name? You should make forgetting their name, you should make. Forgetting a name, as Rashi the Rebbe argued, not mentioning the name at all, giving another name, is a greater level of destroying their name than it is just calling them a bad name, a derogatory name. So the Rebbe explains like this. When you fulfill just the posik, the posik itself, before the posik says lose their name, right? Before. Ibaditem Shimon means that there's another activity that we have to do to lose to make their name get lost. What does the Torah mean? Something that we have to do to get the name get lost. If we are going to already fulfill what the Posik said before, that you should destroy all their gods. So there's going to be no more gods. You're going to destroy them. So once you destroy them, so automatically their name will be forgotten. They're not going to be around anymore. If there's not going to be Avedah Zorah, so we're not going to imagine that. What is the Torah trying to tell us over here, adding the Ibadatem as Shimon? How do you destroy their name when they're gone already because there's no more Avedah Zorah? So this is only based upon the way the Rebbe learns. That this is talking about gods. If we learned, like what Rashi Shoilo, what Rashi excludes, if we would learn that the whole Pasuk, that what the Pasuk is trying to tell you, means 
that we're trying to destroy also everything that helps David Zora. So then we would say that what is the Pasuk coming to say the Torah means to do something specific to also destroy the name of the David Zora. Which means that even though that by destroying the gods themselves and everything that served the god, they would uh, already be lost because there's nothing, there's, the gods are not there, their place is not there. And we would say, the Pasik says, do something to lose the name. Like we'll say, as we'll say later on. And then we understand the flow of the Pasik. First, the Torah says, you have to destroy the gods. Then the Torah says, you also have to destroy everything that serves the gods. Their Mizbeach, their Matzeva, their Ashereyim, the Psilelegeim, everything, all the places. And then he says that you have to do something more. That even any item that the Avedizorah is called upon it, so if anything has David's name on it, that also you got to erase that name of David Zora, either by destroying that thing that carries the name of David Zora, or not calling you the name of David Zora. That we would learn, if we would learn the other way, we wouldn't learn that we would learn, if we would learn that this is all talking about also the servants of David Zora. But since Rashi Learns that the Tatsim is Mizbechoisam, this whole Posik. The Posik is counting over here the details of which are those gods. So then you can't say is a command to do something to erase the memory of Avidazara. Because we're trying to erase the memory of a disorder because first you should have destroyed those that served by disorder. Before the memory of a disorder comes the order of a disorder. In other words, erasing the name of a disorder comes as a after these are three steps gods, the places that help a disorder, and then the name of a disorder. But here we're telling you erase the name of a disorder, but we hadn't told you anything about those that serve the Avedizorah. Because those that serve Avedizorah for sure remember the Avedizorah. Torah hasn't told something about them. So, what does the Pasuk mean about the Meshimah? Can't mean take away the name or whatever it's called. If, you don't, if, 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 if we're allowing you to hold on to, to all the places and all the, sham, all the Meshamshim, the Mizbachas and the, and, and, and the Matzevas. So therefore Rashi learns about Mishma means not to make forgetting their name, but it means a special tip that means to degrade, Meganis, to degrade the name, Lekanis Lamshim Lignai, to call them a derogatory name. And now we can understand also why Rashi learns, the Rebbe asked before, why should we call it the same name? Call it a derogatory or something else. Rashi calls it an and Kutz, right? And Galia, Karia. The Rebbe argued that by calling it in such a name, you're not really destroying the name. You're, you're, you're actually remembering the name 
the previous name, which goes against trying to destroy the name. You're calling it a similar name, but a derogatory. Call it a totally derogatory name, different. Why call it something similar to before? Because since vibadetem over here means not to forget. We're not talking about forgetting over here. Because if we would be talking about forgetting, you're, you're leaving all the Abedazara's pieces over there, so you're not forgetting. But what is Ibadim means to degrade it. So then it's understood that what does it mean, degrade their name, Ibadim Hashemoyim, is that you should degrade, not just, we're not degrading just Abedazara, but we're trying to degrade the actual name of Abedazara. So Abedazara has a name. That name of David Zorah, we're not trying to degrade David Zorah, we're trying to degrade the name of David Zorah. And therefore, you have to use a name, such a name, which is similar to the previous name. Because by exchanging the name of David Zorah to a name which is a derogatory, which had no connection then you're just shaming Dabai Dezora, but you're not shaming the name of Dabai Dezora. Specifically, when you leave something, a connection with the previous name, but you put that name itself, you change it and you make it into a name, of a derogatory name, then you are really degrading the name of Dabai Dezora. Because here, Ibadita means the great, and the great David Zohar is leave the name. We're not talking about making it forget altogether. It says, based on the above, the Rebbe says, a possibility now. A possibility, the Rebbe is trying to answer, but the Rebbe is not going to buy into this answer. The Rebbe says, the Rebbe had another question. Uh, that based on this idea that we want to give the name and we want to change it, so the Rebbe says we have a, another problem that needs to be understood. In the second example that Rashi gives, so what is called, what is the Avedizora called? Avedizora is called Ein Koil, the eye for everything, right? And what are we supposed to call it? Rashi gives an example. We have to call it Ein Kutz, the eye of a thorn. So, the Rebbe says, why don't we call the Avedazara instead of Ein Koil, we should call it Ein Klum. It has nothing. Instead of calling the eye of a thorn. Why? Why is a thorn? Because, first of all, a thorn, even though it pokes, but it's still eaten by animals. Animals can eat them. But an Avedizara is klum. That brings no benefit at all. So it makes, it makes sense. So you should have called ain't klum. It's nothing. It doesn't have anything. Versus just ain't kites. Number two, even the power to poke ain't kites would mean that the Avedizara, as if to say, can poke. Even the power to poke, which a thorn has, it's also not that an Avedizara has any power to, to, to poke because the punishment and the poke that you get for worship of Avedizara, you don't get from the power of the Chaz but you get it from Hashem, that he punishes for the Avedizara. 
So it's not really koitz. So since ein klum would sort of bring out a greater degradation than ein koitz, so how come Rashi quotes in his commentary, which means in the simple meaning of the Pasuk, the Gemara's interpretation that David Zor ain't coil, you should call it ain't coits, which means that even according to Pshat, that needs to be so. That's where Rashi quotes it. So, this would be a problem. So, maybe we can answer it with a previous explanation. So, you can say, because since the word ain't coits is more in expression, it's closer to the words ain't coil, ain't coil, ain't coits. And the Rebbe explained earlier. And it's closer in koil to in koits than in klum. So, since the Torah wants you to destroy their name, so that can be fulfilled specifically when the previous name remains, like we said in Sivches. So, therefore, we should call this Avedezore in koits, even though in klum is even a greater degradation because we're looking for. A similarity about the Meshmon. Maybe that would be the answer why we're calling it Enkoitz and not Enklum. And that would also serve as an answer why Rashi only brings two examples. Because the Rebbe asked before in the Gemara, there is three examples Ein Melech, Ein Kelev. The Rebbe wrote down. Because when it says base Kalia, you call it base Karia. So what is he explaining that? He explains how you are destroying the name that you have to choose a name which totally degrades the name of the Baidazora. So first of all, Rashi wants to tell you what totally exists. So the name base Karya means a dug up place. That means a place which is dug and low. Which means that it's not only the uh, Shalila, it doesn't only reject base Galia. Galia means revealed, it's a house, you know, a tall house, but we're saying the opposite. We're calling it Karia. It's not a Galia, it's not a high, it's low, it's in the ground, in the red, you know, it's the dug, it's very low. That's the concept that Rashi wants to bring out conceptually that you have to be in all the way, total extreme, from Bezgavikari. And then, when he says, in Koits, he explains what he means with as Shimon, which means that the name, that it has to be very similar to the name of a Dezorah, even in a case that you can find a shame which is more Genai. But in Koits is more closer to Enkoil, we're going to call it Enkoitz, notwithstanding that we're not giving a full shame by calling it Enklum, we're going to call it Enkoitz. So, Rashi, so these two examples that Rashi gives, we'll be giving out these two concepts, how we are supposed to do the degradation. First of all, the total extreme opposite when possible, or when it fits more with the language and it fits more with the name, you should call it something which is close to the name, even if it doesn't express the full extreme of the degradation of it. That's a possibility that the Rebbe says. However, the Rebbe says we cannot really say so. Cannot really say so because since when it says Abe Ta'abdum, 
when you destroy their gods. So then, what are you accomplishing? Your, their name is getting lost and forgotten from a said automatically, just by destroying them. And that way, there's not going to be any more the name over there of the Avedizorah. In other words, when you destroyed it, they're no longer here. So it makes, therefore, sense to say that Vibadetem Eshemom is a command to name Avedizorah not something which is just rejecting the praises which is in their name because their name will get lost anyways. If you're going to destroy the Vedizor, they're not going to be there. What does the Torah want when the Torah says because if, if, if you're just taking away then, then you're not adding really you're not anything new mainly over out of their gods because uh, just not mentioning the greatness that they call their Avedizorah that's like forgetting the name which is already accomplished when you destroy their gods so the name is forgotten so that's not an addition what is the Torah the Torah wants us to do something to nickname it with something that is degrading their name so it turns out that it's not only because Mibadim Hashemom uh not just the name, so it just because to destroy them, so the Avedizorah that is called Ein Koil, you should call it Ein Klum. No, you should call it Ein Koitz. Just by, by losing them, because even though that the name Ein Klum expresses more the rejects they say ain coil this says ain klum but that's not degrading that's not the opposite from coil than saying ain coits a coits is trying to say ain klum is just saying it's doing nothing it, it doesn't do anything for you but when we're saying ain coits we're basically saying it's a damaging, it's something that hurts, that it hurts humans and animals. So basically the Rebbe is saying, just to be batatem alone means enkoitz. We don't need explanation why it doesn't say enklum. It does, enklum is not so much batatem, it's enkoitz which is what. And that's what we're saying, that Vedizorah is a cause and it's a stumbling that you bring thorns and lacking in the one who works the Vedizorah. So again, we don't know why Rashi has to bring these two examples uh, of Ein Koil and Ein Koitz, because we know um, it's not to tell us that it's kids, they shouldn't say Ein Klum. Uh, why do we need these two examples? So the Rebbe explains very simply. The Rebbe said earlier that what is the goyim? 
what did they do? They would choose for their Avedizores such places that should express the importance and the greatness from their Avedizores. So it's self-understood that also the names of the Avedizores were also expressing the same advantages which was expressed by the places. What did they put? They put the Avedizore on high places on the luscious tree. Why did they put her in high places? Rashik has two examples over here. Base Galia and Enkol, because these two names, they fit to the two types of places which correspond to the previous Pasuk. Previous Pasuk says on the high mountains and on the hills, that's high places. And it says, and then it says, and under Tachas and under all luscious trees. What did they intend? What is the name? What is the place? Why did they send it high up on the mountains? They wanted to prove that the height of their Avedezora, that look how great, look how tall, look how big our Avedezora is. So therefore, the fitting name for that Avedezora is Beiskalia, the, the revealed house, which is a language of height, which means it shows it's open, it's revealed. That's one type of Avedezora. The other type of Avedezora, they placed Tachas Kolates Rano. Why did they take it under all luscious tree? Why? Because they wanted to express that when you worship a Vedizore, then you get a lots of flow. Just like an Eitzranon, just like a luscious tree that gives out good fruit. So what is the fitting name for that type of a Vedizore? Enko. So the examples that Rashi gives is the two types, the two categories of these two Avedizores. That shows, so to speak, that the Avedizore can see and gives everything, and there's a flow of everything. That was the two names. And therefore, Rashi only brings these two examples of base Galion and Koil, and he doesn't bring down the example that Pnei Melech, Pnei Keller from the Gemara, because only these two examples are related to the simple meaning of the Pasuk over here. This, yes, so far, let it be true that the Rashi doesn't need the second, the third one, because in Pshat, there's only the two. But what is the meaning uh, in the idea, the Rebbe says here, that Karya means in the dog versus Galia, right? Luscious koits is the opposite. What does the Gemara mean? The Rashi doesn't bring it down, but what does it mean in the Gemara when the Gemara says that Pnei Kelev is the opposite of the face of a king? Why, why is... What, what is the opposite of the king over here? Um, how is the Pnei Kelev the verse of the Pnei Melev? What's the connection? So the Rebbe says that what is a king... A king's function is that he is flow and he takes care of the people with all that they need. Especially Pnei uh, Melech, the face of the king. Say, Be'oir Pnei Melech 
What is the face of the king? The, the face of the king. Face of the king represents the king's energy to the people, the flow to the people. What is the face of a dog? We say Pnei Kelev, the face of a dog. It's just the opposite of a flow. The Rebbe says like this, besides the fact that dogs are amongst the three, it says, that hate each other. It says there are three that hate each other. Dogs hate each other. Furthermore, with regards to dogs, it says, Vaklovim nefesh shiva. They are uh, bracelet. They're never satisfied. That their desires is with brazency. And they never are satisfied. As much as you give them, it's never enough. They howl, they're always hungry, and they always demand that you should give them more. And since a dog wants everything for themselves, so it's understood that there's no way that they can go ahead and give to someone else, to be mashpi to somebody else. The contrary. As soon as he sees that somebody else has something, he's immediately jealous because he wants everything for himself. He always needs everything. Can't stand. It's like a dog. He knows everything somebody else has. He needs it right away. Just like a king, because of his inner subjugation, his true subjugation to Hashem, he gives, and he's bitterly gives to everybody. So a dog is just the opposite. Since he keeps on saying, have, have, give, give, he's always looking with a bad eye on the other person. He's always jealous. Pnei, Melech, they want to say, giving is Pnei Kelev. It's like a dog, nothing. The Rebbe says these three names from Avedizorah, which the Gemara enumerates, Beis Galia, Pnei Melech, which is connected with the three places on the high mountains, on the hills. Now, the Rebbe did not use the hills before uh, uh, as uh, as one of the places that the Rebbe didn't use, but in the Gemara, it's the hills, smaller hills, and the Rebbe in the footnote discusses this. Uh, and then it says, Tachas Kol So, this is also fit to the three bad character traits of Bilam HaRosha, that the Mishnah, Pirkei Ovis, counts by Bilam HaRosha. He had Ayin Ro, he had a bad eye. The Ruach Gevoya, he had a haughty spirit, and he had a wide heart. Ruach Gavoya, the haughty spirit, is similar to Beisgalia. That's a height. It comes from language, a high place. Nefesh Rechava, a wide heart. He says, he was saying to Bolok, if he was indicating that he deserves a full house, he wanted to no end. That is like Ein Koil. Wants everything. That means it wants everything. And then when we say Ein Ro, is like the Pnei Kelev. That does not, uh, is jealous of everything and could not stand forgiveness another person, anything. 
what is the connection between these names from Avedizorah to Bilam? Because generally we know that Bilam HaRosha was the opposite of Moshe Rabbeinu. But in the Mishnah it says something new that is also the opposite from Avram Avinu. Because the Mishnah says, the good side, and the bad side is from So since what was Avram Avinu thing was waging war with Avedizora and destroying it, as we know that that was Avram Avinu's function, according to the Rambam, to teach the whole world about the Hashem Echod against David Zorin. Because the far state as David Zorin, the Avram Avinu, Dalet Meis Pirke Havin. That it was 400 chapters in David Zorin Avram, that means that it was sort of a, a, a big, a lot of Torah over there, a lot of, a lot of learning over there. I brought down, I think that's what me speaking how you. It's brought down from uh, from Chassidus. Uh, so therefore, since these three measures of Bilam Harosha, these three bad characters, they fit with the three names and ideas of Avedizora. And that's why he is the opposite of Avram Avinu, because Avram Avinu was fighting with Bitla Avedizora, and Bilom was personifying and sustaining of it. And the Rebbe finally brings down that uh, there is, in the end of the Mesechet Soito, the Gemara brings down things that will happen in the hills of Mashiach, that before Mashiach comes. And one of the things over there is, Pnei Hadoir ki Pnei that the face of the generation will be like the face of the dog. So basically, that will have like all these three problems, right? Like the Rebbe talked about the dog. Not so uh, flattering. But all these matters that are numerated over there, but in the inner, they're really brachas. So even though it says the hills of Mashiach, on the surface they're clueless, but they're bad, but there's brachas in there also. So what does it mean? What is the bracha that in the hills of Mashiach, especially through the service of spreading the wellspring outside so we impact by the entire generation that there should be a hunger for the word of Hashem in a way of just like a dog will never be satisfied people should be hungry for the word of Hashem and as much as you give they keep on demanding have have in a derogatory way a dog wants more and more but they should want more and more Torah, more and more Chassidus. And this also connects to the beginning of the parsha. So what is the meaning? I'm giving you Brochel Klola, that also the curse you should, Brochel Klola, you should take the Klola, make it into a Brochel. As it's, it says with regards to Bilam, that the three names which correspond to the measure of Bilam, as mentioned before, over there says, not only not only does the Pasuk say, Hashem didn't want to listen to him, he wanted to curse the Yidin, but what does it say? Furthermore, it says, he turned around the Klo Lebracha. 
So that means, Hashem said, Bracha of a klola means to take the klola and turn it into a bracha. So we're saying that the klola, what it seems to be, next to the Meshicha, that we're saying like a prayer doir, like a, like a kelev, is a bracha that they want more and more. This way, we also come to the sedra, which follows the sedra, which is the sedra, shoiftim, shoiftim, titmacha b'chol sharecha, that you should put the judges and the police in all your gates, that it will come to the time of Shiva, Shevtaich Kivori Shoino. Hashem will bring back the judges just like they were in the beginning, in the true redemption, the complete redemption of Mashiach Tzidkenu, Yovu Yigalene Bukhar of Mamish, Mesichas, Shabbos Pashas, Reitov Shechavchas.